you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Arma Energy, presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Show. I am your host, Brad Gephardt, and these podcasts are brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and W Wheels. And with us on the line, we've got the one three two of Billy Leninovich. Billy, how's it going? I'm doing awesome. How are you? <laughs> hey, not too bad. Beautiful day up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. My Winnipeg Jets are tied with the uh, New York Rangers late in the first period, but I've got someone from SoCal on my phone, so that's what I'm really focused on, uh, a hero of mine. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. So uh, you're fresh off of uh, the military day at Paris yesterday. Uh, you had the uh, uh, Billy Leninovich, uh, well, you were riding yourself as well as you were, had your training truck out there, uh, kissing babies, shaking hands, or the other way around, who knows. But either way, uh, how was that particular day yesterday at Paris? Uh, awesome for those guys to put on such an event. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it's just, I, I support our troops very much for what they do to protect our country and so to do, uh, it's going to be the Tech of Summer, one of my sponsors, the shop down in Southern California. They um, support me a lot, and so they were going out there to advertise and go hang out. So they asked me if I would like to join, and I jumped on the bottom wagon. So we went out there and got to talk to the troops a little bit, all the military guys, and um, actually raffled off um, a free lesson. And so I'm going to do a lesson for those guys. And then actually for Military Appreciation Day, which I think is May 1st, sometime in May, I'm going to do a live day. So I'm going to have like five or ten military guys that I'm going to comp in with no charge and do a free day of training just to show my appreciation. That's awesome. And, I, uh, so... I didn't get to ride. Oh, no. No, uh, Saturday, I was with my girlfriend at her boss's house and we're hanging out in the pool and barbecue and stuff and he's got this stupid little French bulldog and got a hold of my finger and just shredded it. Oh? And so, yeah. That's when it's uh... Saturday night in the mm-hmm. yard. Didn't get home until four in the morning. It wasn't, wasn't too fun. No kidding. Uh, I ta- I believe I talked to you earlier that day. Uh, you were pretty excited about getting out and riding, and uh, that little French bully yes. decided to uh, change things on you. Different plan. Yes, he did. I was looking forward to riding yesterday, but yeah, I wasn't wasn't able to. This thing was wide open. Uh, they put one stitch in it, and they just said pretty much it's a dirty bite, so uh, they can't fully stitch it up. So it's just kind of still open and dry blood everywhere. It's pretty nasty, so it's going to take anywhere from six to eight weeks to heal, which I probably won't be riding for the next four, four or five weeks. Definitely, they want to bring the thing back up. 
Yeah. No kidding. Well, that, that is uh, a crazy turn of events. And uh, how does that affect you uh, working with your riders? And now, uh, is it uh, Lano MX? Is, is it your thing? Or what, what, what is it the, yeah. your training? Is it yep. Lano MX? How did that all start? And yeah, how does that going to affect your, your working with those guys? Oh, it's fine. It's no problem. He just got one of my, one of my fingers. And so I'm good to go. I just wrap it um, at the track just so I get that bit in it and get it infected. For some reason, I've been having really bad luck with dogs. Today, cycling, this lady's walking her chihuahua, and I'm about 15 feet going downhill. She's going up the hill. This dog freaks out, darts, gets off his leash, and I run this thing over. And I was scared I was going to go to the bars. I was going probably 20 miles an hour, and I think I killed the thing. So the past three days have not been good for me and dogs. I turn around oh. and like, my dog. And my reaction was, I got mad. I'm like, it's not my fault, but then I noticed the dog was pretty much that. Like, his legs were stiff. He was breathing. And she was trying to do CPR on the dog. And I felt really, really bad. Kind of ruined my ride, but. So, me and Bob right now aren't doing it. I want you to go. No kidding. The dogs are mutilating you. You're dishing it back. Yeah. It's been a bad week, man. You just need to. Remove yourself from all canine Lano interactions and just get back to basics. Right? Oh man, it was it was bad. But for my training and stuff, um, I do ride with my riders sometimes. Not all the time. So me standing on the track and me uh, looking on technique, corner start, uh, whatever it is, it's no problem doing that. I spent the day at the Supercross track today at uh, Paula. And work out there for a few hours. So that was good. I could still do my training and stuff. Just won't be able to ride with them for four or five weeks. That's excellent to hear that you're kind of giving back to the motocross community that uh, provided you with an incredible career. And we'll get into that uh, quickly. But uh, I wanted to ask, uh, what are some of the uh, the biggest mistakes or like more the most common mistakes younger riders are making now? Uh, and what are the some of the, some of the types of things that like if they change this, they can make huge leaps and bounds in, as far as their progression goes? Yeah, um, the bigger thing is corners. <clears throat> most of your time is all made up in corners. So um, if a kid that is just started riding or even the pros, some of the pros have the worst technique ever, and but they can go fast. They're making a lot of mistakes. So if you can minimize those mistakes in the corners, teach them the proper technique to get through the corner, whether it's in the bike, looking ahead, um, get a lot of control, all that stuff plays a huge part in cornering. Um, corner, the momentum coming into it and keeping that momentum up, entrance speed, all that, all plays a part in doing your corners good. And so a lot of them, they go fast, but they're not doing their corners good at all. And so when I come into play, um, I see, I usually see a huge improvement with all my riders uh, within the first couple of days of training with them. And I help them with their corners and just the technique and everything. And when you do that, it starts dropping down your lap times. And then it starts seeing results. So is, is every rider like kind of a little bit of a snowflake? They all have different things that they have to work on or like, do you break them yeah. down to basically a clean slate and, and work forward? Or do you, do you like everyone, you have to take a certain thing from one and like a bad habit from another. Um, how does that all work? No, all riders are different. Um, some guys might come into the corner and 
because I've seen riders, I've heard of trainers telling them to drag their front brake all the way around the corner because it helps them get traction, which is unheard of. Okay, Gary Bailey. Um, yeah, so certain stuff like that that you just don't do. Um, maybe they come into the corner and they're not carrying enough momentum, so they lean the bike and then they set it up and they stop and go. Or they come into the corner, they get on the gas too hard, um, and then they get off the gas. So all that stuff plays a huge part in cornering. And so all riders are different. Um, I don't try to change their riding style, but I like to work on their technique. And so that, um, just doing that, I've seen huge improvements with all my riders. I had a beginner guy come from Canada. Um, I forget his name. His name is Matt. And he was a full beginner guy. And he couldn't even hit a, hit a rut. And he was with me for two weeks. He always took the outside lines the first day we were riding. And so I got him to start doing the inside, started working on technique. And by the end of the two weeks, he did four days a week for two weeks. And by the end, he dropped his lap time probably by 15, 20 seconds a lap. And he was hitting every single corner, inside corner, all the reps. And he was doing them awesome. So it was a huge improvement for him. And just watching that, that's what I enjoy while I train or why I do it is because I love watching people improve and they're not going to, they're only improving, but they're, they're becoming better writers and they're becoming safer writers and they're minimizing the mistakes. And if they can do that, they're going to stay off the ground more often. Yeah, absolutely. You're not just showing them how to go fast, but you're showing them the safest way to do that. And uh, it's got to, I love that feeling when you're teaching a certain skill, that aha moment that gets into somebody's eyes when they finally, uh, what you told them kind of clicks, whether it be a physical or the mental thing, it just clicks in their head that uh, what they're doing is correct. They look back at you like, you know what you're talking about. Uh, That's got to be a good feeling for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I love watching kids improve. Um, that's why I do this and kind of give them back to, to the motocross sport and all that stuff. So I enjoy it and I love what I do. And I get to run my own business. So I don't have to be at an office all day long, which I've done before. So I'm blessed to do it. I don't know if it'll last forever, but I'm going to enjoy it while I do it. My For sure, man. That's awesome. Now, uh, we've also noticed that you've been doing some work on the bike as well with uh, some photo shoots and video uh, work with uh, uh, a guy by the name of Brett Q. Uh, I'd, I'd love for you if you could give me your best Brett Q story because that guy's a riot. He's actually done our show already. <laughs> He's such a redneck. <laughs> he is. He's such a redneck. But I love that guy. He's awesome. I've uh, known Brett for... Maybe, I think the first year was 2012, so maybe three years now. I first met him at a panic at a camp in Texas, and we exchanged numbers and became really good friends. So he's been actually coming down here a few times to ride, and I let him stay over at the house while he's down here and stuff. And we have been filming. Um, been filming for Twitch's video, Chasing the Storm, I think, too. And then yeah. um, been out on the hills a few times with um, Moto 7 guys. So I've been doing that. been doing quite a bit of filming, doing stuff myself, just getting some clips or pictures and all that. So I love riding the hill. One of my favorite things to do is throwing my bike upside down. For sure. Like, is that something you always did? Like, is that something like you're, you live in SoCal here in Manitoba, you can watch your jog run away for three days straight and it doesn't even turn around. 
but out there, they've got great riding. There's tons of great like, landscape to, to just go play on. Uh, is that something that you've just been kind of born and bred to uh, go out there and uh, huck your meat? I did. Um, growing up, I had Mike Craig. He was my idol growing up. I loved watching him ride. And when I was Good idol. 12 years old, I got to go out to Palm Avenue with him and watch him do cliff jumps and all that stuff. So I didn't really do a whole lot of that kind of riding a lot when I was younger. I loved whipping my bike. Um, one of my favorite riders was Guy Cooper, and he would throw the bike sideways. And by the way, he still has the exact same style on the So just watching him, I always loved it. And I remember when I was 11, 12 years old, all I would do at the races would with the bike. And I'd be getting six and six at my local track. And my dad told me one day, he said, Billy, you jump for show and you corner for dough. You want to win, you got to go fast. <laughs> and I yes, didn't care. Sir. All I wanted to do is throw my bike sideways. And I remember, um, still to this day, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And I don't know if I was upside down, <clears throat> but I was on an 80 and it's probably a 40 foot step up. And it felt like I was upside down. I wish I had a picture to see. <laughs> I probably wasn't, but I just, I always loved looking on motorcycle. That was something I really enjoyed doing. And then I was about 14, 15 years old. I actually started getting faster, going to some internationals and getting some top fives. And then that's when my dad realized, like, hey, you got a shark. You need to put some effort and some work into it. And so kind of took off from there. That's awesome, man. And and then you like by the time uh, 1998 rolls around, uh, you're heading out to the ranch. Um your first result, a 30, 31st overall, isn't telling of the fact that you went uh, three DNF DNF uh, in that particular class, but uh, everywhere else, uh, all single digit races or finishes, including your 2000 on a Yamaha, uh, first place in uh, the 125B mod in front of guys like Shane Bess, who, of course, you must have raced a ton growing up. Um, yeah. Tim Wigand, guys like that, like the like Troy Adams that you raced with, and and you were battling with these guys. You, you ended up beating them in 2000. That kind of sets you up really well to uh, turn some heads and uh, work towards going to the towards the pro class. Yeah, I was never the fastest rider growing up, and I still am not the fastest rider. Um, but yeah, when I was on 80s and internationals, um, I was getting my top goals. I think this place. And then um, my dad, we always had stock bikes. My dad can never afford to have a uh, new bike. And so Yamaha ended up giving us about two, four years open. Uh, the very first year was open in 98. And the first night I ended up winning it. And then the second night I was third, trying to pass for second, because I thought I needed second to win overall. Well, on the finish line, I tried passing a guy and went too far right, ended up having to jump off my bike because I was jumping off the track. I ended up breaking my leg. And then from there, I was a full factory on the rider. Um, I think I got maybe two idols as an intermediate. I think Dana from the Reddit. Um, but my A is my most important year. I went to uh, Lake Whitney and I won the 25 and 250 pro class or A class. I went to um, um, World Minis. I won three electoral titles there. Uh, and then I was testing a bunch of different bikes going into my pro year before the Reddit. And I was testing for Factory Suzuki 125, right in the 125. And I ended up 
coming up short on a triple. The trap is not prepped at all. And there's this one triple there that I wasn't doing. And I'm like, man, if I don't do this, these guys are going to think I'm an idiot. So I ended up doing it coming out way, way short, throwing me over the bars. Ended up breaking my arm and uh, really spinning my other arm. And they're like, we can't believe you tried that jump. These guys only do it when the track is prepped and they got perfect traction. So I just spun all the way to the left. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot for telling me now. So yeah, luckily, okay. I was yeah, and I was very blessed to be able to come straight out of the amateurs to get a factory ride. I no think kidding. that's something that's so important now. Um, it's still important. It's different. I mean, you're pretty much a factory rider as an amateur. You've got Geico and Clay Designs. They've got all these amateur riders. But um, now it's like there's three guys that might get a ride out of amateurs or one or two guys. To go to a little red is an A class to get a top five is not cutting it. Those guys really have to win that thing if not get top three. And then even top three, you'd be lucky to get a red. It's so tough. Yeah, and it's actually too bad. Like, you know, there's a lot of kids I notice that have, they'll have great support as an amateur. They'll have the bikes, the, the gear, the everything. And then if they don't quite get, if they're not within that top three riders, at every single race that they're able to go to in their year before they go pro. Like you got guys like Mitchell Oldenburg who was on a, just like a privateer effort, like, like right out of the, right out of the box. And he contended with uh, a lot of those top guys. It's, it's the rug kind of gets pulled out from other them as soon as they go pro. And um, you had the, the fortune of getting that factory ride. Yeah, I was very lucky. Luckily, I did get at the um, Luke Whitney and Will Mini before that because to be able to go not to go to Loretta's and then still get a ride is pretty amazing. I was very, very fortunate and lucky at that time to get a ride. Awesome. And it's really hard. Like these guys that don't have a ride, they start it as a privateer. It's nearly impossible for them to even get a ride, even if they're getting top tens. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're behind the eight ball the entire time. Now, before we go too far down memory lane, I'd love to try and uh, get a segment in with you. The Bills Pipes, pick your poison questions, uh, a little bit of a Sophie's Choice, this or that. We'll run through those quickly and then proceed with the rest of the interview. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Bill's Pipes presents this, and of course, we know that that's on the back of your motorcycle. Uh, first question is Supercross or Outdoors? Supercross. Chipotle or Del Taco? Chipotle for sure. Uh, Two-stroke or four-stroke? Four-stroke. 250F or 450? 450. Road bike or rowing machine? Road bike. Bill's pipes or anything else? Bill's pipes. Hockey or football? Hockey. Hockey. That's a great to hear. Who's your favorite team? Oh, you say hockey? Hockey, yeah. Hockey or football? Yeah. I thought you said coffee. Oh, football. <laughs> oh, who's your favorite team then? I should say hockey since you're from Canada. Hey, I played football for played football 14 <laughs> years of my life as well, so uh, I, I don't I don't have any true preferences. But uh, blondes or brunettes? Ooh, I better say Burnett. My girlfriend's Burnett. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Uh, it, it changes with the wind anyway. Uh, McGrath or Emig? <laughs> McGrath. Milestone or Paris? Milestone. Coke or Pepsi, if we're going to do soft drinks? Pepsi. Pepsi. Right on. Well, that is your Bill's Pipes. Pick your poison. And uh, perfect time to kind of bring those guys up. Um Went away from the sport a little bit. Uh, Bill over at Bill's Pipes kind of taking a bit of a hiatus and then coming roaring back in the last about year, two years max. And uh, they've embraced you and your ridiculous whipper tails. Um, tell me how you got in touch with those guys and how they've kind of embraced you and, and kind of backed all the things that you're doing, uh, both with the uh, the Panic Rev guys and uh, just being ridiculously smooth on a motorcycle. Yeah, um, well, when Escondido Cycle Center was giving me a bike, um, Little D had given me an SMS for Monster Cup in 2012, I believe. And so when I got my new bike, I needed to get a new exhaust. And so I tried calling him, calling him, calling him. He never returned my phone calls. And then I think, you know, my buddy, uh, Brandon Ben, he's like, hey, he wasn't looking for him at the time. He's like, let me call this guy down there. And so that's how that, that convention started. And those guys have been awesome to me. They've supported me the whole way through. They always have my my hands looking awesome and running good. And, um, yeah, those guys, Bill is just an amazing guy. He's such a nice guy and uh, very supportive for me and what I do. And, and hopefully I support them back as much as they support me. I try to do that with all my sponsors. They did that, and um, they helped me out a bunch. I still have a lot of sponsors, and but yeah, so very thankful that those pipes <clears throat> took the journey. And That's the awesome, man. are thinking good. Very few um, Did you the, go ahead? How I was saying, there's very few good exhausts out there, and I did the testing on the new one. I guess it's this year, the 14, in the 14, 15 exhaust in it. Unbelievable. Okay, so I was going to say, did you have some imp- input in testing and developing uh, those pipes? Because uh, I got to know after these, after so many years, you've got to be a great test rider. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a pretty good test rider. I can tell what the bike's doing um, when we test motors or when I used to race when we were testing. I used to test with Dr. Galley after I quit in 2009. Um, so I'm. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good test rider, and I have a really good feeling of the bike suspension and chassis stuff and motor stuff. And so, yeah, then we went out with um, with their pipes. We went out to a track, and they had me test uh, one of their new exhausts. It didn't look so well. It looked like a CI-500 a, a CI exhaust. It had the clip on it coming out and everything because they didn't have the clip on it. But, um, nice. But, yeah, that thing, it was like probably two or three more horsepower with the new exhaust. No kidding, actually, yeah. Those uh, pipes have changed quite a bit since the days of uh, uh, those that those early Bill's Pipe Suzuki's. Those were interesting-looking bikes. But uh, glad to see that you're helping them out and uh, putting your knowledge to good use. And uh, and they're they're helping you back the other way and and keeping your stuff looking fresh every time. Yeah. Right on, man. Um, before we get into your pro career, uh, as we talked about before we hit record on this, uh, I wanted to talk about the first time that I ever saw um, 
Billy Lindenovich uh, ride his motorcycle. And of course, since I'm all the way up here in Canada, I had to do it through my uh, 20-inch tube TV, uh, th- through the video that I had in my VCR. Uh, for those kids that are listening, you're going to have to Google that one. But uh, for my probably 11th birthday, I got Revelation 199. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that thing is all wore out because uh, I had to keep watching that segment that you had with Doug Parsons, Ryan Morris, Clayton Miller, Chuck Carruthers, and of course, Travis Estrano was there. Um, How did you end up getting connected to those guys? Uh, and you guys were just busting huge jumps out in the hills and uh, looked like you guys were having a, a, a ton of fun. Actually, there's two different uh, segments that you're in, like, or two different ride days that you must have been with Travis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Travis, I think, just called me up and asked me if he wanted me to, to come out and do some riding. So we ended up going out to my local spot, which is off of Chia Wells. And we went out there and just did a bunch of riding and a bunch of filming. And it was awesome. And I'm very privileged to to be able to say I went out and did a video with Travis Pastrana. And then we went out to um out to the hills to oh man. Is that Castillo's place? Uh, CPI. Okay. Huh? No, it wasn't fifty, that was a different movie. Um not Cheney Ranch. Castillo Ranch. Yeah. We went out to Castillo Ranch and that's when they had that two hundred foot table top and the step down and all that. And that was just me and Morris for competitors and we just got a call to go out there and go ride. So we had a ride with, uh, I think, Chuck Credit and Doug Parsons. And um, I think the Shaman was out there that day, too. And, yeah, one of my memories of that event was Travis. We were by the Supercross track. And it was just a cliff. And it was a hill maybe 10 or 15 feet tall. And he was like, hey, Dave, go jump. Um, go jump to this. Well, there was two fences. There was a fence that was probably 40 feet past the, um, the lip, and then there was probably another fence that was 40, 30 feet past the other fence. This one was huge. It had to have been 110 feet. And I'm thinking, well, how are you going to get out? Because there's two fences, and there's no way to get out of the fences. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Well, he comes out, and he hits this thing like 50 years wide open. And I think they got it on the video. And he still on this ended. And I think he was one of his first rides back from his knee surgery. And he's full on and doesn't jump off the bike and just destroys his knee again. And I told him, like, dude, you are stinking and nut. You are crazy. I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about going over the second fence. I was trying to figure out how you're going to land in between the fences and then get out. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was a very good experience to be able to go there with those guys and, and ride and some of the best guys in the world to ride there. No kidding, uh, those guys. And like, I, I didn't, I don't know if you had any tricks in your bag, but uh, definitely knew how to just throw that bike sideways. And uh, something that kind of, like, was a constant throughout your career is uh, just having incredible control over your bike. Uh, I got like you said uh, right off the hop, like you did a lot of play riding, uh, throwing the bike sideways something that you really worked on before you really worked on speed. And so uh, that kind of produced a rider that had um, unbelievable style, in my opinion. Like you were absolute candy for any photographer out there because uh, you always kind of had an interesting look on the bike and stuff like that. Great uh, great to see. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, going out to the hills and, and doing that stuff, it gives you a crazy amount of bike control. 
Um, of course, you do it in the right tracks, but when you're trying to do quick jumps and stuff with kickers in it and the ball ready going up a wet, you can't run the bike any, any better than going out to the hills. And I think that's why I was always had good bike control and um, always a smooth rider is because of that. And that's how I try to teach my riders when I'm training them is to be smooth but go fast. And yeah, so, it also puts you into some positions and and situations that you normally wouldn't find on a track, and it can help you with balance and understanding the the gyro of the bike and just like how to mm-hmm. maneuver yourself in in an adverse situation and uh, something that definitely served you well throughout your career. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yep, and that's one thing I love is just going out and going about sideways. I really enjoy it. That's awesome, man. Uh, so. You miss uh, you miss Loretta's, uh, which would have been a huge thing for you. Uh, when does Factory Cowie come knocking? Uh, they they call you up. Um, the, when was the first time you rode the bike? How did that all work? Like, did you get a phone call? Did they approach you at a race? Uh, how did you end up getting mixed up with the with the Orange Machines? Um, well, I was testing, man. I tested just about every single manufacturer out there. I. Um, I had had a meeting on my way to Vegas. We had stopped up in the high desert or something. Um, Yamaha Troy had a contract there. They wanted me to sign it and get it over with, even before we went to World Minis. And, and I was like, no, we're not going to sign that. And so we just had that everybody been to knocking on the door. Uh, no, two strokes back then. Okay. Um, I think the fourth stroke was out. I think that's it was, yeah. the title. Yeah. But I don't... I think it was just him writing it at the time. Fair enough. And so, um, yeah, I just had just about every single team knocking on my door when we signed a contract. And KTA came at us, and they offered me 75 grand, which was 25 grand more than what Yamaha Floyd offered us. And so my dad thought that was the best idea. Grant Lundson was on the team. He just won a, a European title, and he wanted me to uh, go with that. So, yeah, so, you, so your your teammates are Ping, Sellards or Sellers, uh, GL, and you. Uh, Sellards uh, rode the East Coast with GL. Uh, I think that was his first year. That's the year where he's celebrating uh, his win before he gets it. Uh, yeah. Wish he wouldn't on that particular day. Husky won of all of all uh, manufacturers, but uh, like. How did you guys uh, work as a team? Like, what was the dynamic there? Who did you, did you get along with those guys? Uh, Brock Sellers is a weird dude. Uh, he's from the other side of the country <laughs> than you. Uh, GL is from another country and from the GPs. And then there's uh, the jokester that is David Pingery. So how did that Motley crew come you together? You know, we all got along really well. I think Brock Sellers might be more of a redneck than Bert is. I believe so. redneck. Yeah. He builds but his own planes. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, we all just got along. Um, me and King and Sellers, we did a lot of riding. Uh, Langston's. We all rode up the Supercross tracks together. They were all really supportive and helped me because I was the new guy on the team. All of, all of them had a, quite a bit of experience and so we did a lot of riding up the KTM track, and when it came to outdoors, it was awesome to have links in there because he was unbelievable fast and coming to chase after and all that. 
Well, it sounded like you guys uh, really clicked as a team. Uh, obviously, um, early in the season, a little bit of issue at uh, Phoenix. Um, Ping's bike locks up and snaps the bike in half. Uh, I got it. Like, what was it like at the pit after that thing rolls back into the into the truck? Um, I got to think you were probably a little bit worried about your own machine, or uh, were the bikes fairly reliable? In the pit. No, well, I was like, on the wait. starting line. He was first heat. I was second. Oh, that's right. He and broke I in the heat. Jumbo screen. Yeah, I was in the jumbo screen, and I see Ping's bike go in half. Yeah, I look at my mechanic, and I'm like, "Dude, I do not want to race this thing right now." <laughs> I was tripping pretty bad. It was uh, it was very scary, but I just kind of shut my mind off and just rode the thing. So yeah. Yeah, just, my first two supercrosses didn't go this time. Um, I didn't even qualify for the main event at those two rounds. I think I was, uh, I was pretty nervous. Um, actually, I had torn my ACL. I got uh, to see a ranch about two weeks before supercross started, and I ended up crashing off a rhythm section triple, and my bike bogged, and then whiskey throttle and it looped me out. I blew up my heel, I blew up my HCL, my meniscus. And so I came into Supercross um, a little unprepared just because of that. I had an injury and stuff. I wasn't 100%. So I think I was a little scared from that and all that. But, um, but it started to come along around, I don't know, I, I think I made my dead main event. And then I was able to put in my fifth round. And so injuries suck. They're not fun. They put in with your head and especially when they're hurting and you're riding and you got to ride all week long, you have to train. You don't really have a whole lot of time to let it heal when you're racing. The series is so long. No kidding. Yeah, you're, 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 yeah well, you're, you're racing with a, a knee that's all jacked up. Uh, you go uh, 22-15-3. And in my opinion, pretty good pro- progression. Just just saying. Uh, and uh, But that, like... That only one more uh, Supercross for you that particular year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your first podium. Um, you're literally your your second main that you're really ever in. Uh, James Stewart goes down in the first corner. Uh, you go around the inside of uh, Denny Smith, who is uh, down in the first corner, and uh, you, you end up sitting in third place and staying there. Yeah. I don't remember the race too much, but I remember it an awesome feeling. Um, you go through the emotions when you're racing and you're not doing good to put in all the effort and hard work and the results, results aren't there. Uh, seriously, after my first two races, I was depressed. I was so bummed out. Um, I expected so much more out of myself. And then to be able to make a couple of names and then podium was just unbelievable. It was such a big feeling. And feeling the car never feel again. Yeah, well, so uh, like after that race, you you, end, you back up that with a 20th place at Daytona Beach, and uh, that basically spells the end of your Supercross season. Uh, no more no more results for the rest of the season, then you come back in the Nationals. Was it the knee that held you out? Well, um, yeah, talking about Daytona, that was my first year there, and I felt like the biggest beginner ever. That track was so nice. That's still out. That's outdoors, right? Something off. <clears throat> What's that? That's during the daytime, no, correct? Daytona. 
Yeah, dude, totally. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. When you are in top 10 in points, you can go to the East Coast back in. So I went back okay. to the East Coast. Daytona was just horrible. I was going off the triples, and the reps were so big. I, was, I landed off the side of the track, sitting around on the landing. And I ended off, I was so embarrassed that I couldn't even know how to actually pull off the track. And then the following weekend, we went to, uh, not New Jersey, but um, New Orleans. And I ended up pole shotting. And I don't know, I couldn't have been in the heat race. And I crashed in the first turn. Well, the way that I crashed, I the bars caught my knee and I completely just destroyed the rest of my knee. I tore the rest of my menis, more my meniscus, my um, MCL, my PCL. I just completely destroyed it. So I ended up having a whole new reconstruction after that. And then uh, coming in, I started riding. Most of the time after any CL surgery, you off the bike for, you start riding about six months. I started riding a month after my surgery. Yeah, um, you came back at Washington. Yep. Yeah, I got hooked up with um, Ryan Hughes. I turned it in for two months. And we went to Washington. Uh, it was my first run. And my best friend, my best friend, she might be a little just pretty crazy. But yeah, that was that was a great race too. To be able to battle with Stewart for a few laps and finish the medal in fourth is uh, a huge improvement from from my surgery and all that stuff. No kidding, it had to have been a highlight and just a bit of a reassurance that hey, I can still do this. Uh, I won't let that knock me down. Uh, round out your your. 2002 with a, a at that time career best fifth overall uh, outdoors at Steel City and uh, so was was your KTM deal a two year deal or or how did that move forward to you riding with them in 2003? No, I had a two year deal with them. Okay, so for, uh, 2002 and 2003. So, are you doing any off overseas races? Are you going to Austria during the season or like three? Did you, did you yeah. do any of those races? Yep, yep. I went to Bercy. Um, once or twice for QTM, I went to Genoa, uh, Italy, and I think Geneva, Switzerland. So I actually did a quite a bit of races uh, overseas when I was with QTM. And throughout my whole career, even when I went to Honda. I did that. That's cool. Like, uh, what, like, what were some of the unique things about working for uh, the Austrian company way back then? Like, I say way back then, but it is. It's, it seems like a long time ago. Uh, with uh, the no link, two strokes, the whole bit. Uh, they were the first team that had an energy drink sponsor. I got to imagine being one of the very first uh, Red Bull sponsored athletes uh, ever. Uh, really, uh, must have been some some interesting things that you're kind of experiencing for the first time. Uh, any stories you have from that time? Um, not really. We had some great opportunities, like KTM based out of Austria, and we got to go there uh, every year. Well, the two years that I worked for KTM, they had a supercross, or they had a, a KTM party, and so that was fun to go to Austria, and they would introduce all the riders, they would show all the new bikes and all that stuff. So that was probably some of the fun stuff. And then going overseas. Mm, I've been overseas quite a bit. But as a first year, I've never been overseas. And then to be able to go to, I think, three or four countries in that two years was just it was unbelievable. It was awesome. 
Very, very good experiment. So uh, 2003, of course, that's the year where uh, Langston ends up taking the outdoor title, but uh, you yourself put in some some great rides uh, outdoors as well, did you not? Um, honestly, Actually, never mind, you didn't race outdoors at all. Yeah, I think I... 2003. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at a different look here. Uh, that, 2003. Yeah, I think I may have... Glenn Helen, and that was it. Yeah, I uh, I had blown my knee out. Before, I think before Glen Helen. Okay. Um, and I think I had to get surgery on it again. I, no, I think I was in 2003. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> well, nevertheless, uh, that year closes, uh, and you part ways with KTM uh, in exchange for the Factory Connection Honda team in 2004. Brand new four-stroke mm-hmm. for them, uh, the Unicam engine, brand new to the entire motocross world. Um, do you remember like brokering that deal? Uh, did you have other options? Like what? Like what, how? How did that deal end up coming together? And uh, what other options did you have? Yeah, KTM came to me. Uh, I had, I think, Pro Circuit had given me an offer. So I did, coming out of, or off on my KTM contract, I did have some other options to do. Um, I had a very big offer from KTM to stay with them. Okay. And so, but I was not happy with the bike at all. And so then that's when I had made the choice to go to Factory Connection for 2004 to 2007. What what was it about the KTM's that you weren't happy with? Just uh, handling like a shopping cart, or yeah, um, just outdoors they weren't too too bad, but Supercross, I think it was not having the linkage, um, getting through the whoops. I don't know about like someone whoops in the front end would just start diving, and I couldn't get all the way through the whoops, and so they just we couldn't fix the problem or anything. We did a bunch of testing, and I don't know, just didn't feel comfortable on the bike, really. Yeah, like, is uh, at, at any point during that, uh, your tenure on KTM, did you ever secretly jump on another manufacturer of maybe a buddy of yours? Yeah, like, like ride my Suzuki, let's say, and uh, kind of notice that that link helps you get through the uh, whoop de doos pretty good? Uh, no. No, I never jump on any of my buddy's bikes or anything. Okay. from there. But I knew I was better than that. And so I've always been pretty decent in the whoops and just that bike did not handle on the whoops at all. And it actually hurt me a few times. And so we um, decided to switch manufacturers. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. 
Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter-X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. So uh, obviously the first four stroke that you race is Honda uh, and you're, you're there from, from 2004 to 2007, three years. What was, it, what was it like the first time you jump on the machine and uh, what was it like testing with those guys and uh, learning a whole different way to uh, ride Supercross? Yeah, it was a little different going from a two stroke to a four stroke, and, but I loved it. I was so excited to be in a Honda, um, did a lot of training. And I ended up, um, I 
think I may have torn my ACL again on a KTM. And so then I tried to just ride with it when I got on the Honda. So I actually switched to East Coast to have that time to ride and to recover and stuff and, and get ready. Well, at the first round of practice, I kind of overcleared a jump. I tripled just a little bit. It wasn't bad. But I hyperextended my knee and just destroyed the rest of it. So I actually didn't even do one race in 2004. I did practice, and that was it. So I was out all supercross and all outdoors. So that was that was a big bummer. No kidding. Uh, what was the reaction from the team at that point? Uh, you signed, I guess, a multi-year deal with Honda and uh, got to get yourself fixed. Yeah. Um, nothing much. Nothing you can really do. I mean, you get hurt, you got to get fixed. And so we ended up making the choice of getting my knee fixed. I waited the full six months to let it heal properly. Uh, found a new doctor and had him do the surgery on it. And so, um, yeah, and after that, it was great. So I worked my butt off. Uh, as soon as I was able to start riding and stuff, I put my head down. And when we went into 2005, and um, we were pretty strong then. That's when I got my first win at San Francisco. Um, That's right. I don't know if I got any podiums before that. But uh, I think my first two rounds, I struggled. My first 14, yeah. 11, 21, one, or 22, then a 1, uh, beating out yeah. Andrew Short. Yeah. Yeah, that win, man. Oh, man, that was such a great feeling. Tell and, us a little bit more about that night, if you if you remember. <laughs> that night, I don't know. I was so relaxed, like, going in the track walk and the heat races. I was confident in myself of putting in a result. I felt good in practice. And... I don't know. All the chips just fell into play. I got, I think, a second or third place start. I think I was battling with Danny Smith, um, maybe Andrew Short. And I just remember telling myself when I was out there, I started getting nervous. I'm like halfway through, and I'm like, man, I'm in front. And I kept reminding myself, just ride back to your home track, Born Oaks. And I just kept playing that through my head, and I just kept my flow going. I felt confident, and I stayed smooth, and didn't let the pressure get to me. And then I'll pull that in, which is my career highlight right there. It was awesome. And and a great um, position for you in the points that year for Supercross. You ended up uh, fourth overall for the championship, but uh, a lot of top tens, a lot of top fives in podiums in there. Uh, had to have been a good season for you. Um, and and just some confidence going forward that uh, what you're doing is working, the knee's well. Uh, any more issues with the knee after the 2005 season? or? Yep, yep. So I went into 2006 <laughs> really confident. Um, I'm not exactly sure how I did in Supercross. I think I had a few podiums then, too. Yeah, uh, oh, great, great season for you. Actually, probably possibly better than the year before, yeah. other than the win. Yeah. Yeah, then, then, well, yeah, I was in the championship, I think, all the way coming into San Diego. And then we getting in the first turn crash, and I think I crashed again, and I finished 11th. Um, but, yeah, going into outdoors, not really sure how the results were there, but we went to, I think I was staying at Stewart's house. I moved to Florida for a few months to do some writing and stuff at home for outdoors. 
and I'm going into Budge Creek, which was one of my best outdoors ever. Um, me and Zach Osborne were up front. Dorotoda got by us. I got by Osborne. And I was sat on the Dorotoda. I was in second place with, I don't know, maybe four laps to go. And I ended up falling and getting back up in like eight. And then me and Langston came together on the top camber. I went outside, he went inside with a, it wasn't a jump, but it just had a big kicker at the top of the hill a little bit. And I came out of that corner wide open and I hit it where Langston came underneath me. Not sure what really happened, but then that was when I did my first ACL. And I did three on my left knee and then one on my right. And then that's when I blew my right ACL out, landing on him. And I don't know. I've never really seen, I never seemed to be the same after that, that incident. And my best well, yeah. if I could have just stayed on two years, I would for sure had a, had a podium for outdoors, but. So then that, yeah, that, that forces you to, um, to have to race East Coast again the following year in 2007 on the Honda again. You're, uh, would you have preferred to race West Coast if you would have been able to? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I did for 07. I guess East Coast. I went back to Spirit South before the season started. I think I spent a month or two before the season started and did a lot of riding there. Was riding awesome. Big James was really happy with me. And get to the races, and I think my first result was a 14, and so on. And then they're asking me what's going on. The team's talking to James, saying if he were the way they're here, he'd be on the podium. And so I'm like, there's something wrong. I don't feel comfortable on my bike. So right before Daytona, the team brought the semi out to Stewart's house, and we tested and. I got my race bike. I was comfortable on Stewart's Supercross track. I could not ride the bike at all. And still to this day, I'm not exactly sure what was on with the bike, but we got it fixed. They didn't really tell me what it was. And I was able to go out and Daytona and get, um, and get fourth overall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just on a track that, on a track that had been kind of a, kind of vexed you before that, you go out and, uh, one of your better showings of the year, you end up, uh, fourth and just, it's a great night for you. Yeah, it was awesome. And to be able to say I got a fourth at this one, it's pretty, pretty good for me. That's a good night track that anyone would ever ride. Being, it, being super cross and then an outdoor race, kind of, it's technical, but then you got the big ruts and you got the roughness and all that. It's just one of the nicest tracks to ever ride. For sure, and you you edge out uh, Ryan Morris, a guy who like also a Yamaha rider as you're growing up. Uh, I gotta imagine uh, you bang bars with that a lot, that guy a lot growing up. Yeah, we did. Me and Ryan, man, we battled at all the local races, at all the internationals. He was uh, he was probably one of my main competitors in Ninja Rider. Was it a friendly competition or sorry? What that? Was it a friendly competition, or the two of you guys were pretty bitter rival? No, no, no. We were we were good friends. I went with him um, back for many years. Okay. In two thousand one or two thousand, yeah, two thousand two thousand one. So no, me and Ryan were really good friends back then. I went to the house in Northern California for a little bit, and then we went out to many years and all that. So it was a good rivalry. Good fast, though. He beat me most of my amateur career. 
Well, he was a, definitely a phenom, and uh, from 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 what it seemed on the the Mini Warriors videos, uh, had an affinity. Like he knew that motocross got you the ladies from the be- from the very beginning. Uh, I'm sure that the both of you uh, benefited from uh, the fact that you're being fast on dirt bikes and your kids. Oh yes, yeah. it did. <laughs> he could do anyway. I remember he came to my local track to race when I think he was maybe. 13 or 14, changing the top end on his 80, I think. Yeah. Or changing the touch. He could do, he could do it on a bike, he could do anything. His dad made him learn. That's Talk awesome. Uh, so, 2007, uh, you, you're able to hit every single outdoor uh, and in which you, uh, and actually 2007, do you also do some supercrosses in the big boy class or no? Only, only little bikes. Two thousand and seven on the the Honda. Your final year on uh, on Factory Connection. Uh, did you when when the season was coming to a close? Did you, did you know that you were kind of you were done with those guys, or how are, how were things at that point? Yeah, um, our two thousand season, our seven season didn't go too well. Um, I think just from my knee and stuff, <clears throat> I was still through the top and I was struggling and couldn't figure it out. And so I knew my my time was up with Honda. And so um, then that's when I started talking to KTM again for the 2008 season. So I had gotten a contract with MDK KTM and uh, had a two-year contract with them to do 2007. And, or no, 2008 and 2009. So we ended up doing 2008. Um, I think I know that a fourth in Supercross is not best finished that year. Um, during the podium, well, halfway through, when I, I think it went from east to west coast. I was riding at Paris to do a photo shoot for a shift, and the track had been open for another, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. So I'd jump on the track with everybody, and as soon as I got on the track, I rode there a lot. I knew the track, but I just went as fast as I could. And there was this triple, triple, triple section that uh, everybody was struggling to do. Well, I was able to do it, and I jumped at the first lap, and it ended up being kind of filled in for number one, landing on a double-double part, doing it over the bars, knocked myself out. I tore a muscle in my back. I had needed four discs. Uh, the doctor drained, say, about a quarter, a quarter of blood out of my back. So I had been off for three months. Um, went to my first national at... Um, Thunder Valley. It was Red Dead. Uh, Thunder Valley was your first one back. Thunder Valley was my first one back? Yeah, you were 31, though. I don't know if that, if that actually counts. But Red Bud, you did come back with the 19th. Yeah, overall, yeah. Well, I finished 12th the first moto, and then um, the second moto, that's when I actually had crashed on the start, and I, let, I landed on him, and it was good. Uh, just totally messes my head. And I was out of shape and I was tired because they told me I only rode for like two weeks before they made the race. I'm like, I'm not ready to like, race yourself into shape. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. So, was that Steve Lamson, the, the uh, manager? What's that? Was was Lamson the manager at the time? Uh, no. No. He, I think he may have been there. He wasn't the manager. It was... Uh, um, some other guy at NBK. Fair enough. 
So we ended up, uh, I heard a rumor from a buddy saying that if I didn't get top 10 at Washougal, that they were going to let me go. And I ended up getting uh, a 9 11 or something. Yeah, yeah. I think 10th overall. 10th overall, baby. Yep, 10th overall. Well, that's you go 10 14 for 10th overall, uh, edging out, um, I guess, your teammate, Nicholas Way. Uh, uh, right behind Antonio Balbi, who you must have been around all all race day because he went thirteen ten. Yep. <laughs> but Sketchy yeah, guy that Balbi. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know him too though, but I did do did do some racing for him. Yeah, I ended up getting a top ten there. Well, she was on. Got the phone call that I was done. Don't worry about calling the races again. Hmm. And yeah. like, the, like, it, how are you feeling about that at the time? You're pretty, I, I imagine, pretty hurt. I was, I was pretty bummed out because I had to see a contract. I don't think I really had anything to do from KTM. It was the team manager from NBK. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I was pretty bummed out. And then going in after that, I was over it. Went got a normal job. An estimator. Um, did that for a little bit. Got a call from Calvin. You still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you still there? Okay, I, I, I yeah. thought thought maybe you got kidnapped there. Um, no, like, uh, how did you get a phone call in 2009 to uh, start testing with Kawasaki and then. Uh, um, you end up racing the last few supercrosses with, uh, like, with the cows. Were you on a cows like a, a like a privateer Kawasaki team, or you were you on the factory team? What was that all about? No, I just I got a call to do some testing for him, and then that's when uh, Tim Ferry had gotten. I think he broke his heel really bad, and um, hold on, sorry. Okay, let's talk. No worries. Sorry, I had people moving. But yeah, so I got this call to do some testing. I came straight off the couch. Uh, two weeks on the Supercross track. I think I rode maybe five or six times. And they said, hey, we want you to race Supercross. The last of And I'm like, man, I am out of shape. I don't know if I'll be able to make a main event. And they're like, well, let's go try. So I was able to, uh, I think I made every single main event. Maybe my fourth or fifth race in, I was able to go to the top ten. Tenth, right behind Heath Voss, right in front of Brock Kepler. Yep. I got a top ten, which is pretty awesome for coming off the couch and, and racing. And for me, not I've never been happy to get a top ten in my life. <laughs> but no kidding. Circumstances, <laughs> I was pretty happy. And then going into Vegas to the cross and practice, I ended up crashing uh, in in practice and breaking my collarbone. So, um, yeah, after that, and then it was pretty much done. So I quit that, went back to uh, my construction gig for maybe a year doing that. And then I got a call from Aprilia to go back to the GP and do some racing. So again, I come straight off the couch with not riding, not doing anything. Actually, to riding Aprilia's in motocross. What that? To riding Aprilia's in uh, Aprilia motocross bikes in the GPs. 
Yep. So I got a call to do that. I was supposed to go back two weeks before the race started and do some testing. We ended up going the week before and doing some testing. One of the tracks was like riding like Elsinore. And it's completely muddy, super slick. We went to the track was like south of it, but it was muddy. The foot couldn't have deep in mud. And then I went to uh, Spain to race the GP. And I ended up crashing and fracturing my C3 in my neck. And they actually wanted me to race the rest of that year and then have a contract for the next year to do all the GPs. So I ended up crashing and fracturing my C3, and that was it. Like, man, I'm over these injuries. I'm sick of it. So I called it quit after that. So, but uh, not completely, though, because 2012 rolls around, and uh, on, uh, was it a uh, Troy League uh, Honda? You come back uh, on the 250F, uh, number 232, uh, and uh, had some pretty decent showings, to be completely honest. I was proud to see you back out there. Uh, Love seeing your ride, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know, I had, my Craig was, training with kid and uh, the kid had this yeah, baby sure. her name is Jennifer she was my main sponsor um, and I came to race in 2012 um, December 17th was the first time I was on a supercross track before or on the December 17th of 2011 yeah so, so 20 days before your first race yeah so he asked me this I'm like sure tested the bike I'm like yep yeah, I like it Let's do this. And so we ended up getting a new motor guy and he built me a good motor. Um, we were able to make the main event somehow. I have no idea how. <laughs> I was riding a lot before that, but I wasn't training or nothing. I was pretty ashamed. But I was able to make every single main event that year. Um, I had some pretty good rides. Uh, San Diego was probably one of my best. I was up in the top four, I believe. Third was right in front of me. Halfway through the race, I just, I hit a wall. And I was able to save, uh, I think, a seventh for that race. And then seventh came, place? Yep. And then on our break, I had two and a half months of training and riding to get ready, and I felt really good. Um, I think I had a seventh in Salt Lake. I'm not sure what it was for uh, Seattle, maybe another seventh. Uh, um, so you go, uh, it, was, it was Seattle. Then Salt Lake, so you went 8-7 um, to round out the series, and then the shootout, uh, 16th in Vegas. Yep, and so PID had called me. Both of their riders got hurt, so they had some new gear coming out, and they're like, please go on for us. We need you to. And, um, Is that Townley? So I talked again. What's that? Is that Townley that got hurt or Christian? No, it was on the 250 was uh, CA got hurt. I think at okay. um, both, both of them got hurt at uh, Utah. It's Sealy and Baker. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, and so they needed a rider really bad. So they asked me to fill in for Vegas. I think I was uh, seventh in points at the time, or ninth in the points. Seventh or ninth? No, it was seventh in points. So all I had to do was beat Ryan Sykes. Well, going into the first turn, I think we were third or fourth or something. Ryan Sipes washed the front end out and ended up hitting me, hitting my shifter, and I fell over. Well, 
getting back up. I was going, they pulled me off the track. Um, I don't know if they noticed something on the bike, but I ended up bending my shift shaft. And so that just ruined my race. I went from seventh in points, should have been sixth, and I finished, I think, ninth overall. And then playing in the pool, the outdoors, I wasn't planning on racing. So Christian had been hurt. They asked if I would fill in for Christian for uh, the first five rounds. And going into the first few races, I really struggled. I was out of shape. Um, and I was kind of struggling with the bike a little bit. So I think it was the third round going into Colorado. We had done front testing that whole week. And went into Colorado. I think I was fifth fastest in practice, which blew me away. And then going in, I think I went um, 11 ninth. 11-8 for ninth overall, mm-hmm. man, and uh, yeah. excellent, excellent showing. Yeah, I was so stoked to get in the top 10. I mean, I hadn't raced outdoors since 2010, really 2008, because I didn't do it in 2009, and I just did that one race in Spain. So it was really awesome to get that. And then their last few races, uh, I really struggled at, I think it was Mount Morris, and then, not Mount Morris, uh, what's the race after that? Last race that you raced? No, 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 no. The race after, uh, after Thunder uh, Valley, Colorado, uh, Bud's Creek. No, High Point. I think, yeah, for the High Point, Bud's Creek. I felt pretty good. Um, I crashed really hard in practice. I had huge hematoma on my femur, and the guy don't worry about racing on a mile race. And I went out the first moto. Did I get 13th the first moto? And then second moto, I got a really good start. And I was running up in the top for a few. I think I was top five, maybe, for a few laps. And then, um, Back to and then my bike ended up blowing up or something. Oh, or your last race. electrical. Yeah, 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 my last moto in Bud's Creek. I think I got 13th and then... Got a really good start running up front, and then I had a electrical problem. Yeah, you went uh, 13 uh, 36 for 16th overall. Uh, Your last national. I, I honestly, a 16th is, is, isn't the, the, the number you're hoping for, but uh, the fact that you were top 10 in your final year, uh, coming off the couch and, and leading, like, I wouldn't say leading, you're, you're right in that top, uh, still a top tier rider, um, basically working off of talent is what it really was, is that uh, like the, mm-hmm. all the talent that you, you've amassed over a year is, and the, the techniques. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then going into, uh, the 2013 Chile Designs, when we were on contract um, for the 2013 season, well, at the time, I wanted to be loyal to Gentronics because she had supported me. She put $280,000 out of her own pocket to provide me with the best bikes we could have and all that stuff and all the travel expenses and the race expenses and stuff. And I was talking to a few big um, title sponsors for that year. We were looking into getting a, a renegade and pretty much got my own team. So pretty much before Supercross started. Um, it was actually my two last days I wrote Supercross. I wrote a Paul Supercross and I wrote up the Trillia Designs chat. And they were two of my best days of writing. I felt so good. I was meeting um, um, Lee Olande 
Mm-hmm. Who's that? Alambre. Oh, um, oh uh, yeah. that's uh, Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, I mean, Anderson was running the same route on the whole Supercross track, and we were running the same. And then that next day after that, um, everything just fell apart. My Gentronics had gotten pneumonia really bad. She was put in the hospital for two months. And by that time, it was too late for Trudy to go drive. They ended up having hiring someone else. So it was rough. It was a hard time for me because I felt so good coming off of 2012. And, and then everything was just looking awesome two months before the season. And then it just all ended. So that was tough for me. But I figured, you know, there's a reason for everything. And I could have got hurt bad that year or something could happen. So I just looked at it that way and I let it go. And then started started my training back up. Training so, um, like right after the 2013 season doesn't work out, is that when uh, Lano MX kind of emerges as uh, like you want to start working with some new kids and uh, seeing them develop and just yeah, like passing on your knowledge? Because uh, I'm thinking of a guy who had to who rode for many different brands, uh, two strokes and four strokes. Um, You've got a well of knowledge, and I'm glad to see that you're passing it on to today's youth. Yeah. Well, I started my training after I had crashed in Europe in 2010. Um, I had quit my construction job, and I just I started coaching kids. So I coached kids from 2010 up to 2000. I was 2011 when I started riding Supercross, and I kind of just focused on myself. And I didn't do any training all the way through... Um, until 2013, I started back up. And then just did everything the same. Just been at the tracks, just start every day coaching kids and helping them improve, helping them get faster. That's awesome. Like, do you do strictly like uh, big contract stuff where you're working with a lot of guys for many, um, many sessions? Will you do a, kind of a one off deal? Like, if someone wanted to contact you to kind of give them some pointers? How does that all work? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I train kids from the beginner levels to the pro levels. Um, from age five, and my oldest I've ever had is uh, 55. And so I do have... I'm in there uh, somewhere. What that? I said, I'm in there somewhere. There you go, yeah. So <laughs> no, I do all levels. I do have a couple of main guys that I, I work with. But, um, I do work with a lot of amateur kids, but around 50s and 60s and 80s and trying to help them reach their goals. So, yeah, Do you prefer to work time. with... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying that they just call me and we'll figure out a, a day to meet out of the chat. Do, do you prefer to work with uh, like um, the, the faster riders, like the, the kids that you're, you're kind of taking them to that next level, or, uh, or the beginners where they have a, a ton to learn and it's amazing to see uh, the, the leaps and bounds they can make? I guess there's kind of two sides to that coin. Yeah. Um, I like working with all levels. It's obviously easier to work with the pros, pro-level riders, but you see so much more improvement with the... Um, the lower end riders, and that's what I really enjoy is watching them improve. So yeah, all levels, I just love it. No matter who it is, how old, how fast they are, 
I love helping people out and I love what I'm doing. Awesome. Like, uh, it was so awesome to get your entire career, uh, chronologized and uh, like we've brought out some really cool stories. Uh, I got five last little questions for you. Don't have to get into super deep, deep detail, but, uh, I was hoping that I could, um, get these last five questions out and just, uh, can't thank you enough for how awesome this has been, man. Like I said, you're the one of the guys that was definitely, uh, posted up on my wall as a kid, looked up to you. And, uh, one of the main reasons why I do podcasts like this. So, uh, uh, can't thank you enough. Yes, you're very welcome. And thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. So my first question of these, the big MX five questions is, uh, what was the uh, the worst time you got in trouble with a sponsor uh, or had some drama with a sponsor throughout your career? Mm, drama with a sponsor? Um, drama, drama, drama. <laughs> Motocross is not full of it whatsoever. Um. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a hard one. We'll come back to that one. Maybe, or uh-huh. maybe just scrap the one altogether. Um, worst time you had in an overseas race, uh, or best time? Worst time or best time? My best time was winning Genoa, Italy. That would have to be my best time. My worst time. I never had a worse time going to Europe. I may have had some bad results or something, but I really enjoyed going to different countries and exploring a little bit. Yeah, those races always seem like fun. The riders can kind of get out of their shells of being super serious at the track, and you get like because at, at places like Paris, you're literally pit stalling right beside each other. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always been a really great time going to Europe and doing racing. Well, I guess my worst time would be fracturing my C three. Insane. <laughs> not did you ever time. get the the? Uh, did you ever have the opportunity to travel with David Pingry? With David Pingry, um, yeah, yeah, we went to Austria together. I did a trip with him to. Um, we did a mountain bike trip. That's one of the big mountains. So I do, uh, I do mountain biking. Um, oh man, I can't even think. Like in your... went to Canada to where? Oh, Whistler? Whistler, yeah. Yeah, we went to yeah. Whistler, I think in 07. That's cool. 06 or 07. And that was awesome. That was a okay. great time. We did some bungee jumping, downhill mountain biking, the Brian Lopes. We gave us full package GT bikes. It was just unreal. That's super sweet, man. Uh, Pingry is a good time. That guy likes to uh, he he likes to turn it uh, turn things up a bit. Yeah, he does. No, he's awesome. <laughs> I actually saw him yesterday at the the Paris Red Day. No, serious. That's right. Appreciate you, my day. Yeah. That's cool that you, the two of you uh, started out as teammates and now uh, continue on as uh, two riders that are still active in the sport and. Uh, um, he very well have, might have been even still somewhat involved with the, the, the Troy Lee team when you were riding with them, no? Yeah, yep. No, Ping is an awesome guy. He's definitely one of my favorites to, uh, to still be able to talk to and, and hang out with outside of racing and our racing careers and stuff. Good friend, good thing, man. 
So what was the best bike you ever raced as a pro? Like best setup, best engine, like what, what had the total package? Like this thing is a rocket ship. Um, probably my factory Cali. Uh, my Hondas were good, really good. Um, but my factory Cali bike was awesome. And you can't really compare because factory connections, 450s, it's still got a little bit of motor work and suspension, but it's not a factory bike. But to be able to ride a factory bike was just unreal. The bike was almost as light as my 250 and had all the power in the world. The suspension and chassis just handled good. That bike was awesome. Probably one of my favorites. And uh, last question, would you change anything about your uh, professional career? Would I change anything? Um Man, that's hard. That's hard to say. Um, I definitely put in the work and effort. Uh, I had a trainer my whole life, and the injuries. Yeah, the answer can I be no. Take, absolutely, like uh, you, you left it injury, all on the table. Yeah, if I could take back the injuries, I would do that. I think that with all the new surgeries I had for Supercross, that definitely puts a toll on you. And if I could take that back in the way and not have those injuries, I think it would be a different story. But you can't do that, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we can't take away the injuries, but uh, it definitely didn't take away your passion for the sport, still active in it, still throwing that th- uh, your bike of yours upside down, sideways and backwards. Billy Leninovich, it has been a pleasure to have you on the Big MX Radio Show. I thank you so much for giving me your evening, an hour and 22 minutes of conversation, of which you're probably hoping was going to be shorter, but nevertheless, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. Uh, We'll keep in touch. Uh, Have you on again at some point if you'd like. Uh, And yeah, just uh, thank you so much for doing this. I know our listeners are going to love this thing. Yes. Thank you for having me, and I'll be more than than happy to to talk to you guys again but I think we just about got all of my career in an hour and 22 minutes <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know what there's much more to talk about <laughs> well you know what well you can definitely uh, uh, get your take on some some amateur kids coming up and stuff like that and working with kids and, yeah. and maybe some talk about yeah. some technique stuff but uh, nevertheless uh, you have yourself a, a great rest of your evening uh, the third period's about to start in this uh, this playoff style hockey game uh, I'm going to catch the rest of that while I edit this down awesome. our listeners are going to have uh, that ready for them uh, within an hour's time and uh, you have yourself a great night alright Doug thank you so much again Yeah, no problem, man. Take it easy. Hi, have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.